It's always a pleasure to be able to participate in this unique community of practice. Thanks to everybody who has been able to make this happen today. Let me call attention to a book published by Harvard University Press in 2019. The title of the book is The Next Bullion Users, A Digital Life Beyond the West. So this book was authored by Professor Payal Arora of Erasmus University in Rotterdam. She challenges the assumptions we make about the transformative potential of technology on the poor, especially in the global south. And most of the assumptions we make are positive. This important book is relevant to the theme of experimentation, or as ODI calls it, experimentalism. I thought that everything that has an ism, like racism, is not good. But anyways, the book resonates with monitoring, evaluation, and learning. And it is buttressed by scattered snippets of research and statistics across diverse themes about the complex relationship the poor has with technology. And it presents a critical and counterintuitive impressions of the dominant norms regarding how technologies and technological resources, including data, impact the poor everywhere, especially in the global south. Now, let me speak to the presumptions that we make. I suggest that the starting point on how to channel technology and data to expedite jobs, skills, and sustainable supply chain in the global south is to interrogate the questionable development logic, which says that digital technologies and certainly data as resources could bridge multiple gaps and divides in the favor of the global south. But Professor Arora reminds us that digital technologies are tools of inequality. Both digital technologies and inequalities are tangled in a state of flux, and they feed complex divides and sustain the status quo. However, there could be sectoral outliers that disrupt the status quo, from which technology and data policymakers can draw lessons. Those outliers should be targets for experimentalism and evaluation, and I'll return to them later. Now, I speak a little bit to what I call the tiered digital divides. The divide that we all know too well is in the context of what analysts have called the first digital divide. The first digital divide focuses on fundamental inequalities of access to digital technology infrastructure, ranging from basic gadgets, computers, cell phones, accessories to bandwidth, connectivity, and other associated operational assets. A tiered approach to digital divide links the first digital divide to the second digital divide. The second digital divide relates to suboptimal usage or applications of digital and aggregate technological infrastructure by those who manage to secure access to those resources. Now, suboptimal usage of digital assets is linked to skills and foundational education deficits in the global south. There is a perceptible tendency to focus on digital literacy as the paradigm skills deficit that accounts for the second digital divide, but that is simply parochial and inaccurate. The tendency to link digital technology to positive development outcomes in skills, job creation, entrepreneurship, in the global south is perhaps more feasible on the backdrop of sound education beyond those 
experienced easily by exposure to technological gadgets, which is shoehorned, as we know, by do-it-yourself experimentation. Toss a cell phone in the hand of a five-year-old, they are most likely to figure out some things you don't even know at all. Conceivably, bridging the first digital divide does not necessarily improve the second digital divide. And now let's speak to this. We have focused so much on youths in the global south and their romantic engagement with technology. Well, the impression is that digital technologies serve positive utilitarian objectives. What is blindsided, and because this is really a big community of practice, I want to emphasize this. What is blindsided is the first instinctive applications of the various opportunities of digital technologies in the hands of the world's uneducated poor. Even those who have acquired digital literacy by default, I suggest that the utilitarian assumptions of the developmental impacts of digital technologies and data in the global south pales in significance to the multifarious renditions of those technologies in many socially deviant, disruptive, and suspect, even if burdensome ways that are antithetical to meaningful development outcome. I want us to really look at what I'm trying to say here. I mean, you can put a cell phone in the hand of a farmer and most likely you have to now measure how often do they use it to check the prices of crops or the movements of the locusts in their area than when they use it to socialize or to go to porn websites and do all kinds of things or even put it in the hand of a criminal ring to kidnap people. So this is some aspects of this that we don't seem to really pay attention to. Now let's speak to data as the most important resource of the digital age. The reality is that data, uh, digital technologies have unraveled the powerful role of data as perhaps one of the most important resources of the digital age. Like digital technologies in general, the potential of data to advance development outcomes in the global south in many areas, including job creation, skill development, sustainable value chain, is not a given. It is as much a factor mediated by the first digital divide as well as the second digital divide. While the solution to the first digital divide, which speaks to access to technological gadgets and resources, while that solution may be evident, the second digital divide, which is to say application and meaningful usage of these technological tools, that one presents new opportunities for experimentalism where digital tools are made available to all and sundry in the global south with a guarantee of digital literacy, such a leap, I suggest, would not necessarily translate to desirable development outcome that will lift people out of poverty and bridge socioeconomic equalities. And why is that? It is because the foundation of such consumers of digital resources will still be rooted in the status quo. When you give a child a phone or any gadget, they are most likely to favor the male child over the, the, the female child. It's going to be a lot of paternalism and gender bias and practices that are antithetical to empowerment in the gender groups. Now, excusing this, uh, what I could consider an oxymoron, 
An unschooled but digitally literate poor may generate and use data, but they are less likely to appreciate the value and power of data and its nuances. This proposition is often undermined, but it could be of interest for monitoring and evaluation for technology and data policymakers to learn a thing or two. On the other hand, when a population or a demographic with strong and functional education engages with digital technology and data, they are most likely to deploy those purposefully for utilitarian and development outcome. In such a scenario, the valuation and evaluation of data in all its nuances is more likely to be leveraged for development outcome. Now, based on the foregoing, the capacity of technology and data for development outcome in many contexts, including job creation, skills development, sustainable value chain, is a matter of complex intersection of factors and contexts, both in the global north and in the global south. In the global south, a lot is dependent on the dynamic of the second digital divide. And I'll provide you a few examples. Let's look at the Nigeria movie industry. In 2020, a study I conducted for the Open African Innovation Research Project, incidentally funded by Fernando and IDRC, it focused on the Nollywood, and it shows that the industry is a classical case of uptake and adaptation of technological transformation classical case for job creation, skills development in the movie industry value chain, and in fact, in overall entrepreneurship. Such an outcome is in part a factor of Nigeria's strong educational investment in liberal arts and humanities in the 1970s. This investment is the uncelebrated foundation of a robust and highly educated entertainment sector that naturally leveraged and is currently optimizing the technological revolution in the movie sector. Now, let's take example from digital agriculture. In the agricultural space, there has been exponential growth in digital agriculture, which is largely a data-driven enterprise. But there is an opportunity for experimentalism around how educated rural farmers, for example, in Africa, who are mainly women, have engaged digital technology tools. These farmers may be accessing basic digital tools, bridging, as it were, the first digital divide. At that level, though, their capacity to ruffle the status quo in relation to global agroeconomic actors, including transnational agrotechnology corporations and sophisticated intermediaries, is far-fetched. These women cannot they are still below the pecking order in the new dynamic, and they are incapable of engaging the nuances of data and technology in agriculture for such development outcome as to effect job creation, skill development, and sustainable value chain. And finally, my last example is this. A quick reference to the increasingly complex context for melding epistemic boundaries of traditional knowledge and increasing convergences in life sciences, research, and development. Now, this convergence is catalyzed by the discovery of DNA 
and progressive exploitation of biological and genetic resources, their synthetic renditions, and lately their processing and reduction to data through bioinformatics and resulting digital sequence information or genetic sequence data. This trend provides compelling traction for openness, for open science, for open innovation, and collaborative production of useful knowledge in open data forms. For traditional knowledge custodians who are used to claim ownership of their physical genetic resources, the new data-driven environment opens existing framework for their participation in access and benefit sharing. So data policy and decision makers have their work cut out for them regarding how digital sequence information can be used for greater public good without excluding or alienating traditional knowledge holders. And let me conclude. The centrality of data as a defining element of the technological aggregations characterized as fourth industrial revolution is not disputable. For the global south, the existing presumptions that the interplay of digital technology and data constitute positive developmental tools to, among other things, enhance job creation, skill development, and sustainable value chain is not a proposition to be taken without reservation. The reservation requires purposeful experimentation around the different and related impacts of the two tiers of the digital divide. The practical and meaningful applications of data in its sophistications and nuances in the global south, beyond those premised on mere digital literacy, is now a necessity. The extent to which digital technology and data could promote developmental outcomes is contingent upon a complex combination of factors and varying sectoral dynamic best unraveled through practical monitoring and evaluation of social inequities and binaries that mediate across the first and the second digital divide in any given country. The geopolitical and economic superstructure for the emergence and advancement of digital technologies and applications of data is not a level playing field. They are tools of inequity and they remain in a state of flux. The global south is still in the traditional role of catching up with ever-shifting scales of inequity, now ratcheted up by the fourth industrial revolution. Well, let me conclude. China demonstrates that these divides can still be breached, and time will forbid me to engage on why China as a country represents what is possible and why the movie industry in Nigeria as a sectoral example represents what is possible. So the results could be very much mixed. I hope this is provocative enough to get us started. Thank you very much.